Hello and welcome back to Afterlistle Sports Podcast. I'm again joined by Jonathan and um, what are we, week five now? Entering week five? The yeah. season flying. Um, we've had we've had some highlights. We've had some lowlights, depending on, on how you look at these recent coaching firings. But um, I just want to I want to start with that because, you know, we can talk about the games. I thought this weekend of games was not as good as the last few weekends, but still stuff you can take away. The main thing for me is some of these teams are really heading in the wrong direction. Georgia Tech decides to finally stop heading in the wrong direction. They fired Jeff Collins, um, who's – I'm trying to, like, come up with, like, good accolades for him, but he, he was so bad for them that people forget that Georgia Tech's an actual – at one point was an actual top-tier job. Yeah, and of course, like, they were a top-tier job to when they were running the triple option, and I think the reason that Collins lasted the, the length he did was because, like, it is tough to transition from a triple option style to a, a spread offense. And I, I think he was, he was the university wanted to give him time to see if he could do, do so. Cause they knew it was going to be a longer process than just hiring a normal head coach, but it was a disaster for a team that actually isn't that untalented. Like they, they have some pieces. Yeah. I mean, he, he was just not getting anywhere with that team. Um, we talked about this in Nebraska. I mean, I feel like we should do this every um, like coaching hire. Mm-hmm. But who do you, if you're the Georgia Tech AD, who are you trying to target here? Like, who's like the home run hire? Who's the realistic hire? And who's the, oh no, I'm going to stop my donations to the university hire? See, I haven't thought about it too much because this wasn't like, this wasn't like obvious for me like Nebraska was, but. Georgia Tech isn't an awful job. Like, they're in a good, really good recruiting base, the state of Georgia. Of course, it's going to be really tough to get players from Kirby Smart, but it, they do have talent in that state and a lot of it. It's one of the best football states in the entire country. I, I guess, like, your usual – like, the first thing that pops up is the usual suspects, Matt Campbell, like, Leipold. Matt Rule, like the guy, the guys you would think of that are like, I guess next up to get big head coaching jobs. Um, I, I like or Urban Meyer is just like I think would be a disaster of a hire anywhere, just because like he he brings baggage with him. Plus, like I I, th- I don't know if he's gonna be able to rec- like re- re- like recover from like what happened in Jacksonville. Like that was just so bad. And like oh, yeah, Jacksonville, we don't talk about NFL in here, but like. How bad is Urban Meyer of a coach? The fact that Jacksonville's coming out here now, they're two and one. They're looking really good. Yeah. Like college coaches going to the NFL is always a huge question mark. And like I think you're all definitely a lot safer if you're if you're hiring from the college level. Even though he didn't work, I think hiring a guy like Matt Rule, who is a defensive coach, and like is probably the safer option because I feel like defense at least at the college level, will translate better to the NFL than offense does. Would, and yeah, would would Matt Rule take that job at Georgia Tech? Yeah, because I, I don't I don't think he would. I, I mean, I envision him taking a, a job, but like, but I, he like Auburn, a better job. There's Auburn is going to be open, and if it's between Auburn and Georgia Tech, Auburn is very clearly the better job. I I think I think prime time is the option here. I think it's yeah. Deion Sanders' job. 
I think well, they need because listen, if you don't have like the pizzazz, you're you're not gonna compete with Georgia in the slightest. And you know what? Like everyone is is recruiting Georgia. That's where the talent is. And Georgia Tech needs someone who can fend off some of those outsiders. And I mean, I think George, like, I think Sanders would be a really solid fit for the ACC versus any other conference. I don't think you'd do well in the SEC. I don't think you'd do well anywhere else. I agree. Um, he'd also bring in like a really good transfer class through one, and they get some talent in right away. And he'd, I think you'd bring in a, a really solid staff. Honestly, <laughs> I think he would. His staff is at Jacksonville State. It, it's pretty solid. Yeah, and like I know you're gonna like hate me for this comment, but I'm not sure like how much waiting around Deion Sanders can do. Cause like, I mean, like ideally like he went to Florida state and like that would be his job if that opened up, but like Florida state's playing good football right now. So well, well I'm not sure how much. I still, I still think he that. gets, I still think he he's going to get the Florida state job eventually. I just think that more in the short term, this would be a solid um, challenge for him or maybe like approve it. Like, okay. Yeah. Prove it. George you're, you're winning very someone low expectations. Yeah, they're winning some expectations. To me, this is like Deion Sanders' job, and you can win in the coastal, like absolutely. Plus, Georgia, like, dude, he's got so much connections in Georgia. Like, to me, to me, this job is meant for him. And if I'm the Georgia Tech AD, I'm calling up Rule. I'm calling up um, Urban Meyer. I'm not getting him, but the next call is Deion Sanders. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I like. Thing is, like, I don't know, like, what college job or, like, what college coach would, like, geographically make sense. Like, I guess you could call some of these ACC guys that have done a pretty good job at at other schools, like like a Dave Clawson and, like, a a Dave Doran, but, like... You have to get a guy from a lower level, in my opinion. Because, is Wake Forest that much... In in modern football, in, like, the current landscape of college football is Wake Forest... That much worse of a job than Georgia Tech? Not at the moment, but like I think the ceiling is way way higher. But like, here's the thing: I don't know. Like, you like, don't have to play Georgia. It's not either. like it's not like a, it's it's Georgia Tech isn't a school that's like missing out on talent because they had a coach that couldn't recruit. They're missing oh, out on talent because there's another program in their state that's way better than. There is enough talent in Georgia for them to get theirs. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know how I know that. Because look at Alabama, look at Ohio State, look at Texas, look at those classes, and tell me where those players are coming from. Yeah, I mean a lot of them are from from Georgia, like Trevor so, Lawrence. So Georgia Tech doesn't need to get every Georgia commit. They don't need to get every Alabama commit, but they can't let that let that one Georgia kid go to Penn State or go to Michigan or go to Texas or go to USC. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I think prime time would be. At least like fun to see at that job because that job has zero swag. It's got zero. There's nothing, nothing electric about that job currently. Like I, and I, like, I think they could have. They, they have some talent right now. Like they're, they're fifth in the ACC in college team team talent rankings. Like they're not like like this team that they have that they're putting on the field every week should not be playing as bad as they have been. Yeah. I agree. Jeff, Jeff Sims is good. I like Jeff Sims. Okay. Let's move on to um, some of like the bigger results we saw from last week. I want to start with Maryland and Michigan. It was a 12 o'clock game. Yeah. I told you that – I think I said on this podcast that I, I thought Maryland was going to play them close. Um, and they did. 
and Michigan struggled a little bit offensively. Um, they won the game. They they should have won by two touchdowns. That last touchdown came in like the final twenty seconds. But um, I'm not that worried about what Michigan did. I'm more so impressed with how Maryland played. I yeah. thought they had zero penalties, by the way. And that was what we talked about in their game against SMU. They had 13 penalties. Yeah. And so, like, if I, this – yeah, I can do Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think that, like, I came away and, like, I, after the game, I go and look at the box score and J.J. throws for 220 yards and two touchdowns. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, great. Like, this is going to be J.J.'s worst game, game the rest of the year probably. And this would be, this is like, this would be one of Kate's better games as a college quarterback. So – I came away particularly impressed with how Michigan's offense was able to flow in the, in the second half, particularly uh, once they got going. They, they were really slow out of the gate, but I think their defense is going to continue to get better every, every week, and their offense, I, I can't imagine they're going to play that bad, that bad the rest of the year, even against some of these upper echelon Big Ten teams. Yeah, and also I, I think that we look at Tualia – kind of like his mo is he's been a really good quarterback and he's, he's got a ton of talent it's just the turnovers kill him i think he threw two picks this game and um you just wonder like if maryland can just put it together and if tualia can just have a clean game and the whole team just doesn't make have penalties or doesn't have lapses on the special teams like they could beat good teams in the big 10 and I still have them ranked in my top 25 because I do think that they're, in terms of like how they're playing right now, I think they're playing like a top 25 team. They're very deservingly seven point favorites against Michigan State this week. Very uh, deserving. I, I want to talk about Michigan State because we can't. And just before. real quick, like for the people that like want to like dog Michigan for this game, because like I did see some people do that, Maryland starts two receivers who are higher ranked recruiting wise than any receiver that Michigan could put on the f- field right now. So. Like, let's, like, kind of pump the brakes on Michigan because Maryland is a good team. Now, I don't have them in my top 25, which I'm sure we'll get into because I just think that there are 25 teams that are better than them. But there are also more than 25 good teams in college football right now. Yeah, and like, I just want to want to make a note in terms of, like, the box score and what happened in the game. Michigan rushed for 243 yards, um, 6.1 yards per carry, whereas Maryland rushed for 128 yards, 3.8 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Um, Maryland passed for 270 yards. Michigan passed for 220 yards. So, like, I mean, all together, like, this game was close. But, I mean, it seemed like Michigan controlled the game the entire time. Yeah. It, it, from, the, from the get-go. I was never worried about Michigan losing that game. Not, not one bit. Um, let's talk about Michigan State because second week in a row, um, they've looked – maybe like the worst passing defense in, in college football, which if you remember, that was also their case last year. Yeah. Um, and if you also remember, what did Mel Tucker coach at Georgia? Coach the secondary. Mm-hmm. So. Concerning. It, very concerning. And it's not concerning for me as much as a fan, but it's concerning for the guys paying the $91 million left over on Mel Tucker's contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think they're going to be fine. Not not this year, but like down the the line, I think they'll be fine. Like Michigan State, like if they're the third best pro- program in the Big Ten, Ten East, and fourth or fifth best Big Ten pro- 
program overall. Like that, that's where they should be. Like, they're not a better program than Michigan. They're not a better program than Ohio State. They're not a better program than than Penn State. Yeah, so. I'm just worried in the fact of like the way that they've lost some of these games. I'm pretty sure. Um, Mel oh, Tucker's, I mean, they've been embarrassed twice. Mel Tucker's um, score differential against Big Ten opponents is, I think, like negative 81 points, maybe. Um, Was that just last year? Or just, I think did... that's including this year, too. So, including the, the two blowouts. So, does that, that include includes all... Minnesota? It's not including includes... Washington, though. Not including Washington. Okay. But the, but does that include his, fir- his first year in the conference as well? The 2020 year, yes. Okay. Because I was going to say, like, last year, like, Michigan State won a lot of games, but their point differential in the Big Ten had to be close because Ohio State beat them by 55. So, yeah, and the games that they won, they only won by, like, a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, they beat Nebraska by three in overtime. They beat Michigan by one score. Um, They didn't beat Penn State by very much. So My my biggest gripe with that program, and again, like, of course I'm going to sound like a salty Michigan fan because, like, I'm going to try to take this as objective as possible, but um, is there – a chance to blame kind of the roster construction, the, the, the transfer mercenary strategy. Cause I was reading a lot on Twitter. It's like, Oh, wait till Mel Tucker gets his, his guys as upperclassmen or like, wait till he like gets his recruiting class to be like upperclassmen. I said, wait a minute. Didn't he just process all of his guys and bring in all these mercenaries who obviously aren't playing at a, at a great level because I mean, they brought in three guys in their secondary and, their secondary is terrible. Yeah, and and I, Amir Speed was the big one there, yeah. and he, he's not been great. But and, uh, and so that's my that's my question. It's like, okay, if you're gonna say give him time, let him get his guys in, is he ever gonna even have that chance if he keeps bringing in these transfers like he's been doing? Like, I think the the way it should work because this is college football, not college basketball, and it's completely different in college basketball. But transfers, I think, in college football should be used to fill gaps. Exactly. Like, if if you need a transfer quarterback, different story. But if you if you like if you're replacing guys on defense and you don't think you're like you have guys ready next year or like on the offensive line, transfers should be filled to use gaps. You shouldn't be making up a team of transfers because, like. My mindset is if you're bringing in it in like half a defensive tra- of transfers to start for you, it's basically like hiring a defensive coordinator that's running a different system. The guys all have to come in and, and learn exactly what to do, and you're going to be really slow out of the gate. Do I think Michigan State's going to be this bad the entire year? Probably not, and their, and their schedule actually gets much easier to, in the second half after the Michigan game, but – they look the, like these guys look right now that, like they've never pl- played in the system, and that's exactly the case. Yeah, again, though, like, isn't there isn't there a problem with, okay, you recruit this kid. It's a Mel Tucker kid. Yeah. He is a freshman, doesn't play. And as a sophomore, they bring in guys who are either grad transfers or upperclassmen out of the transfer portal to come in. And that's like, that player might have played that year, or at least gotten better. So, like, yeah. even though they might not have been very good, they would have had a guy who can get experience – and and hopefully be a part of something a better season the next year. So like yeah, and I mean like that that's kind of like what I'm a a fan of like in college football. Like you you have to play your players at, at some point. Like exactly because like, like like you said like not only are the like you not like taking a chance on a guy who probably got better from his freshman to sophomore sophomore to junior year, but like if this becomes a trend you're going to start losing kids and you're not going to be able to get 
kids in, in out of high school and these freshmen that you have that you bring in, they're going to start transferring because they see what's, what's happening to these kids ahead of them. Yeah. For every Kenneth Walker, there's two or three guys who are just Jags, just a guy. Mm-hmm. And that's like the case with transfers. It's been, it's been the case for transfers, especially on the not, not like not at the quarterback position. Because if these guys couldn't get reliable starting time on their past teams, like what makes you think that they're going to become something different when they transfer? I mean, yeah, yeah, I think that's a very fair point. I also just like, I know, I know we've said this a billion times, but like Michigan State just didn't have very much talent last year and they won a lot of close close games. And like, you know, that, that you can't win close, you can't just continuously win close games. Like that's, it's not how it works. Maybe like you can, you can't continuously lose close games. There, there, there is a, <laughs> um, there is a variance part part of this sport. Yep. Let's move on. Let's talk about a game that went to the final uh, two overtimes actually. Clemson against Wake Forest. Um, very interesting game. Uh, I tuned in a little bit at the end because I was I was at the Michigan game, so I, I saw a little bit of the last overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, I, did Did you watch more of this game? Yeah, I watched it wire to wire. So, okay, so can you tell me how DJ played? Because I'm looking at stats: twenty six for forty one, three seventy one, and five touchdowns. What was that like, though? I mean, he looked as good as the box score will tell you. Like, he, like the thing is, like we we've always known the arm talent was there. This was the like the week that like we saw him put that arm talent together. Like. He was hitting deep, deep shots like guys in perfect stride. He was throwing the, these 50-50 balls in just really good spots. And, like, Clemson doesn't have a ton of receivers that separate separate really well. And, like, Wake Forest was playing a lot of guys that were backups because they were really banged up in their secondary. But, like, their pass rush was getting was getting home. And, like, he didn't have, like, all, all day. But – DJ was just t- he was taking advantage of mismatches and putting the ball in the right right spot. I yeah, thought Will, so, Will Shipley was excellent again for them. Will Shipley is is very 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 good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also noticed like he was, uh, I mean, dude, 20, 20 carries, one hundred four yards, five point two average, had a long fifty three yard touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they remember when you look at all these offensive stats for Clemson, you have to remember that this offensive line is not good. No, it's not. I'm not even saying that by Clemson standards. It's a, it's a, it's an average unit in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, you can question kind of like that development because they they have recruited guys at the spot. So like that's not the issue. But Wake Forest, as it seems from, from what I've heard from you, is that like Wake Forest was still able to get a ton of pressure. Um, yeah, and just like I think. That at least offensively for Wake Forest, like for those of you that don't know or like didn't see the game because Wake Forest just isn't on national TV very much. Wake Forest offense is like it's like very simple but very complicated at the same time. They run this like RP these RPO stuff, but they hold the ball in the running back's arms forever. Like it and it's like like crazy. Like their running plays were not doing much, but they would just hold the ball there so long that like oh, is that, it, is that that Tua is that that Tua Dolphins offense? Yeah, but it's like so slow and so annoying because like they'll literally just like Hartman will take the snap, he'll sit there with the ball in the running back's gut for like three seconds, and then because he's st- like sitting there with it, the safeties can't really move anywhere, 
because they don't know whether the ball is going to the running back or not. Yeah. And that allows these wide receivers for Wake Forest, who are very good, by the way, to get down the the sideline and get these one-on-one matchups and Clemson's secondary and corners were just not very good. Are you, are you like a little bit nervous about Clemson after this game? No, because I think they proved that they can win um, games multiple ways. Like I'm like, I think Dabo, if I'm Dabo, I'm, I'm a lot happier winning that game 51-45 than I am winning it 17-13 because we already know know they can win like that. But yeah. I think DJ like DJ was very encouraging and I think that's exactly what you want like a game that you needed out of him. You ran the ball great again and I I think that at least for the corners like they like their corners are talented, no doubt about it, but they and they were really struggling. But you're not going to see an offense that complicated the rest of the year in the ACC, at least, like yeah, they play NC State this week. NC State doesn't do anything like that. Florida, Florida State, who's been great offensively this year, does not do anything like that. So I think that once you play against these concepts and against these offensive styles that are a lot more simple than what Wake Forest does, I think they'll be just fine on D. Yep. Okay, I want to move into our our rankings, and because this also gives us the. Um, ability to kind of like go through game by game what we saw from different teams so yeah um i'll start as always got georgia number one i haven't changed them i have noticed though that georgia has been moved in some other rankings so oh mm-hmm. uh, you talk about that a little bit but georgia alabama ohio state killed wisconsin not even close classic ohio state michigan clemson or out. so i got the same top five um i agree with you on the clemson front uh, I still think that they're they're very very good, and I was actually really impressed to see their offense show up like they did. Because yeah. I, I mean, I I don't think their defense plays like that all the time, and we've seen their defense be dominant. We haven't really seen their offense move the ball like that. Yeah. So my top five, I had a couple changes actually. Put Alabama back at one. So those rankings you were talking about, the yeah, that's mine, and also a couple analytical polls. So Alabama one, Georgia two, Ohio State three, Michigan four, Clemson five. So let me explain the Alabama and Georgia switch first. I think Georgia, what they did against Kent State this weekend is like, like actually inexcusable. Like I was looking at some stuff after after the after the games yes on Saturday just at night, and Georgia I think gave up five point four yards of play to Kent State on Saturday. Alabama gave up 5.5 yards of play to Texas. So only a 0.1 yard difference per play between, between those two. And I think that again, like we have to like reward and punish teams for how they played. And Georgia played freaking terrible on, on Saturday against the Kent state team that I guess you can call them battle tested because they played Washington and Oklahoma. But I, I mean, for a number one team doing going, coming out and doing that on defense after what they've done, the past couple of weeks is inex- is inexcusable. Like you can talk about whole, like Georgia has this unbelievably high standard on defense now, but like even like a normal, like power five t- team playing against Kent state, that was like an atrocious, atrocious game defensively for them. Yeah. And, and then I mean, Ohio state looked just too impressive to keep it for uh, behind Michigan. Yeah. I mean, I get that sentiment, but I'm also looking back on, I'm waiting all these e- weeks 
fairly the same in terms of what they did because we've only had a few games. And so, again, that's one piece. That Kent State game is not their best. That's one piece of the puzzle. But the overwhelming piece of the puzzle is, is the games beforehand, especially the game against Oregon, where they made them look like a MAC team. They, they, did, they, they, they did to Oregon what they should have done to Kent State. Yeah. And so, like, that's why I can't move them down. Because while like, they didn't play as well, they were still, to me, they were still really far ahead of everyone else. And so this does close the gap, but it doesn't close the gap enough. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I got my sixth team. I got USC, which I also want to talk about because I haven't been on as high as USC, uh, as high on USC as you. And they didn't play all that well this weekend. They only beat Oregon State. Uh, oh, wait, Oregon State, who I call, said in our Pac-12 preview a while back, I said this was going to be a very good team. Um they only won by three. It was all like super late at night. So like I didn't watch it, but, and I assume a lot, a lot of the AP voters watched it. Uh, I'm not alarmed though. Um, again, I'm looking at talent, one piece of the puzzle. They've looked really solid all year. And I also didn't know who to even put at that spot. So I've, I'm sticking with USC as six. Yeah. After five, it gets tough. Yeah, I got Utah at seven. I haven't moved them to the, I don't think I've moved them at all this year. I think I've kept them at seven the entire year. Uh, I've got Tennessee at eight. Big win over the weekend against a really overrated Florida team. Um, it was it was a close like it got close at the end, but Tennessee was a much better team. Like Hendon Hooker was was really good. The offense is fun to watch, and I was actually very impressed with their defense against Anthony Richardson. We have Oregon at nine. Again, I don't think I moved them. And then Penn State at 10. So a lot of these teams have just moved up due to the fact that I've moved other teams down. But that kind of rounds out my top 10. All right. So my top 10, I have Utah at six. Uh, excuse me. Minnesota at seven, which is higher than anyone else has them ranked in, in the country. Uh, eight USC, nine Tennessee, 10 Penn State. To add to your point about USC, I did move them down a couple spots and I forget whether it was two or I think it was, I moved them down two spots, but Oregon State is good. I'm going to give some credit there, but at the same time, I think that it's safe to assume that USC isn't going to continue to turn teams over at the rate that they have been. And when they stop doing so, they're probably going to slip up somewhere. And so I think this team is still probably closer to the 10th best team in the country than they are to being a college football playoff team. Yeah. I mean, th- th- that makes sense. Um, I noticed we also like, we have Penn state at 10th and yeah. Again, I, I don't want to overreact too much to that Auburn win a few weeks ago because it was very impressive, but like, We've seen a little bit more of Auburn, and now yeah, I mean, all a little bit more skeptical. We played them this weekend. They're they're awful. Like you guys, you guys almost beat, you guys almost beat them. We should have. We should have. We should have missed. We missed a twenty-six yard field goal at the end of regulation, and our running back fumbled in the end zone in overtime to win the game. I also want to hear your opinion on this because I assume you have some some information. But Luther Burden, um, what's his deal right now? I don't think he's going anywhere, at least not for the moment. Like athletes take stuff out of their bio and post these cryptic messages all the time. Like he he's a freaking 18 year old kid who was the number one wide receiver in the country. Like 
he's a little bit of a, a hothead. Like, he, so are a lot of freshmen. So, like, I, I think it, it'll be just fine. He was he was posting stuff about his teammates t- today, like go, like good things. Like Dominic Lovett's leading the SEC in receiving right now, and Luther posted some something like hyping him up. So I, I think it's it's just fine. Then I don't think we've talked about Mizzou as much on, on this podcast with you. And like, I, I would mean, like to. What is there to talk about? <laughs> like, well, like drink in, drink out. Like, what's what's out? Uh, drink out. So is that another so, job? So like here's what here's my theory. He has a really good sophomore class and a really good freshman class. He can't call plays, and he's been doing it for the last two and now I guess a third year. So. I think that he's going to get one more year after this. And I think what, like the way that we need to look at this as fans and both like the athletic department is let drink, let drinks guys get older and get more experience. And while this team continues to get better personnel wise, I think that he needs to figure out what is going on and what's wrong and and fix it. And part of that is hiring an offensive coordinator, which, cause let me tell you this offense to so watching it is just miserable. Like it's way too much East West. Like they're, they're not very creative at all. And uh, over under one and a half wins in the SEC probably. Wow. That's uh it's pretty depressing. That's a fairly depressing note. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, and like the thing is like, on the recruiting note, this 2023 class that he has is not is not good. So, unless this picks up before signing day, like he's not really stringing together like these elite classes. So, yeah, we got to get back on track a little bit here. So I'll continue off my rankings. I got Oklahoma at 11. Uh, I wasn't sure to put them because they did lose to Kansas State, but I again, this is also for my preseason um, conference. Uh, rankings, but like Kansas State, I said it was going to be a dark horse for the Big 12. And I mean, they lost to Tulane, but they're still very, very good. Mm-hmm. We Let's talk about that game just a little bit because Adrian Martinez was amazing. Like an NFL quarterback, amazing. Yeah. And we, we've seen this. We've seen Adrian Martinez look amazing. And then like the next game, he throws three interceptions, they lose to Tulane. Like, uh, is we can talk about that a little bit because I rank Kansas State, so like I'll have them. Or did yeah, I, I did too. Yeah, so we can talk about that later, but I don't know. Like I didn't punish Oklahoma that much, even though I probably should have because they didn't lose at home. But I mean, Kansas State always beats Oklahoma, so yeah, I think Oklahoma will be just fine. My my like my my thoughts are more with with Kansas State in this one because like. They're everything that we thought they were going to be, and and probably more. Like yeah. the the loss to Tulane was bad, but it was also a look ahead game. So I, I give them the benefit of the doubt there. I think it's probably safe to say that Adrian Martinez not only won the Nebraska divorce, but he took Scott Frost's possessions with him in, in the divorce. So I mean, I have Kansas State ranked at twenty five. This is a good team. I think you're absolutely right about them being. A Big 12 dark horse, and they are much closer to the way they looked against Mizzou and Oklahoma than they are to the team they were against Tulane. I got Minnesota at 12. I'm finally hopping on the bandwagon a little bit. They look incredible. PJ Flack, row the boat, ski Uma, all of the above. Um, 
they they are they're actually they're just really good. Yeah. Until further notice, they have to be your pick in the Big Ten West. Yeah, and I mean like, like I like I, all the big Big Ten West games are at the end of the year, but like I like Iowa has to play Michigan and Wisconsin, Wisconsin uh, or Michigan and Ohio State. Wisconsin already lost to Ohio State, so like Minnesota has already won a Big Ten East game, so they are already at an advantage. So, and like, I can't see anyone else winning that division besides those three. And Wisconsin hasn't looked great. I think like Iowa has historically had Minnesota's number, so I'm a little worried about about that one. But and I still don't think Iowa is that bad. But I I think Minnesota is the clear favorite in the West right now. I've got. Washington at 13, Baylor 14, Arkansas 15. Um, only thing that's a little bit interesting there is, is keeping Arkansas in the top 15. They've mm-hmm. lost over the weekend. I think they should have won that game, to be honest. They outplayed them severely. They, they're the better team. I just I can't move them down. I, I mean, I still like Washington. I still like Baylor. That It's just stayed the same. It, it, until I see another team that looks that caliber, I can't move them down. All right, so my next group of teams, I have Washington at 11, Oklahoma at 12, Oregon at 13, and then I have LSU and Florida State back-to-back at 14 and 15. So a couple things here. Washington continues to impress me a lot. Their passing offense is, I think it's fair to say, one of the best tight end passing offenses in the country. They have a tough one at UCLA this weekend. It's on a Friday, which always scares me. But if they get through this one, I told you last week they're in the clear until they play play Oregon. So but we just an interesting little note about Washington there who continues to listen. I told one of my friends to bet them plus 800 to win the Pac-12 last week because I thought it was incredible value and he was looking for a, a future conference bet. And I think with the way the schedule plays out, they probably got a pretty decent shot at it. Um, couple. Uh, I was still I was still am very high on LSU. I think they're going to roll Auburn this this week, and then they get into a stretch where I believe they have Tennessee at home and at, a game at Ole Miss in there before the the bye. I still think LSU can be like seven and one going into the Bama game, which is pretty incredible considering they'll be coming off a bye and have Bama at home. They they continue to get better every week. Their offensive line continues to play better. Don't you know they give up two first downs against New Mexico? Two in four quarters. That's, that's absurd. Um, and then Florida State at 15, who I, I know we have our difference of opinions on, but they blew up Boston College. Travis is, is healthy. They continue to play well on both sides of the ball. I I, I told texted you earlier today, Clemson last week was a touch, a seven-point favorite at Wake Forest. Florida State's a seven-point favorite this week at home against Wake Forest. So I think when Florida State plays them, I believe it's a, a week from Saturday the spread's going to be a lot closer than people want to admit. Yeah, man. I, Florida State, and I, I think it's funny how our, our opinions on these teams are because, like, I remember in the offseason, I was I was very adamant that Florida State was at least better than Miami. And um, and they are. And, and they are, by the way. But, like, I remember you were disagreeing a little bit with that. But, like, I, I like Florida State, and I, I love Jordan Travis. Like, th- don't, don't take my – not me not putting them in my top 25 is as somebody says Jordan Travis isn't like one of the best quarterbacks in college football because I don't think that's true I think he's very much like a top two or three quarterback in the ACC but with that being said 
I still think I need to see a little bit more out of that team. Because, like, if you go through their wins, yes, they've, they've beaten some really tough teams. But there are still, like, some major question marks I think need to be answered. So, like, when I see that, I'm fine with it. But I think the teams that they played have had, like, severe deficiencies. Even though, like, some of the teams are good, like LSU, like, those teams have had severe, like, deficiencies that um, kind of aligned really well with Florida State. So, this isn't – I'm not trying to knock them. I'm not trying to say that they aren't deserving of the spot. I just didn't have them as highly rated in the preseason. So, like, until I see something overwhelming, I can't break them into this this tier. Would a, uh, would a cover against Wake Forest, like, be overwhelming enough? I would rank them. This week? Because they're – I mean, they're seven-point favorites. Like, significant. Yeah, if, they, if they cover that, I would rank them. So, yeah, Florida Florida State's secondary is probably a little better than Clemson, so I, I doubt they'll have as tough of a time guard, guarding them with that complex offense. Yeah. We'll see though, because yeah, because we 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 have we have different opinions on Norvell and Dave Clawson at Wake Forest is a good coach, so it's a good opportunity for them. Yeah. Let's continue on. I got Ole Miss at sixteen. I've got Kentucky at seventeen. Oklahoma State eighteen. A and M nineteen. Texas twenty. This I hate this tier. Um, this is just yeah. a tier of teams who I think can eventually get there. I just I can't put anyone else ahead of them. I have Arkansas at sixteen, Kentucky at seventeen, BYU at eighteen, Baylor at nineteen, and Texas at twenty. I still think Texas is really good. I think it was a really bad spot for them, considering it was probably the last time that Texas Tech gets Texas at home, um, in the conference. I don't get the hype with Kentucky, man. I'm not sold. They they haven't looked the part. I thought even against Florida, like Florida probably outplayed them, and then they go out and they don't play very well against the not so good Northern Illinois team. They just really haven't done anything to impress me, and I think they're getting a lot of credit for for a win against Florida that really doesn't look that great. To to look doesn't look as good, I should say, two weeks later. Yeah. Let's continue on. I've got LSU 21, Kansas State 22, the newest edition. And I I would be surprised if they don't keep climbing up these rankings. Um, and I have Maryland at 23 again. Like I actually moved them up from last week. I thought they played well enough for me to move them. Like I thought they were actually better than, than what I saw from them last mm-hmm. week. And I think that they're gonna beat Michigan State next week. And I don't think it's gonna I agree. be close. I agree. Um, I've got Pitt at 24, and I got Kansas at 25. I don't want to yeah. spend too much time with the Kansas because, I mean, I will say, like, I put them there to kind of, like, mess with you a little bit. But, uh, like, I have no problem putting a 3-0 team over Power 5 opponents, like, in my rankings. Yeah, I just, like, the, the FPI has them at 55, Sagarin at 49. I just, like, can't get behind it yet. Like, the, the, if they beat Iowa State, like you might this week, you might be able to talk me into it a little. Although, like I, th- I think, I, I here's my promise to to the people who listen to this podcast: if Kansas beats Iowa State and TCU, both of them are at home. If Kansas beats Iowa State and TCU, I will rank them. Promise. But their defense has been really bad, and I, I as as good as their offense has been, Kansas is going to be an outright dog in every single game they play the rest of the year, at least in the regular in the regular season. So, I just like I'm not I'm not there with them yet. Um, my, my 21 through 25, the Ole Miss looked really bad this weekend. Um, but I still I still have a lot of 
high hope for them as, as they look they looked good the week prior. So Ole Miss 21, Oklahoma State 22. We'll get to see them in the spotlight against Baylor this week. Pitt 23. Uh, I was very hesitant about this, but North Carolina State's a 24 for me. I, I feel like the way they've played the last two weeks, they kind of deserved it. And then Kansas State at 25. But um, like the thing with North Carolina State is like I think they're going to get manhandled this week against Clemson. And I know they were they were kind of the trendy college football playoff pick. Um, in the preseason, they're not that. They're they're not making the playoff. They're they're gonna lose to Clemson this week, and if not, I promise you, they're not gonna finish the regular regular season undefeated. They're not good enough. I think that th- their defense is solid, and I think they've showed that the last two weeks. But Clemson just has way better players, and and this is kind of a game where just like now, not only is it a Clemson revenge game, but like like this is a game where you just like you're sitting down and like at the end of the game, you just like look at yourself and like recruiting matters like way more than like people realize sometimes. Yeah, I could talk about the fact that our composite rankings don't have NC state ranked and then NC state is ranked what 10th on the AP poll. Um, I don't think NC state's ranked in ours. No, 23. They're 23, but oh, like they still, barely, they barely make it in. Still like I, they're, they're probably not in if I don't rank them at 20, 24. So probably that's, probably on me guys actually like here's the thing and this is another i i can find a way to complain about the ap poll like every week like multiple times but like north carolina state plays two good games against the texas tech team who i think is solid not great and a yukon team who is one of the worst teams in the fbs and they play those two games and other teams lose because their schedules are way harder and we all just, just all of a sudden forget that North Carolina State should be three and one, and they should have lost to East Carolina. Like th- this team is not great; they're fine. They're probably the third or fourth best team in the Atlantic, ACC Atlantic, which is a good division. But like, like they're the fourth or fifth best team in the ACC. Like, what what are we doing here? Like, yeah, I don't. I I've been very um, outspoken about. NC State like we'll see we'll see like I really hope that they show up this weekend just to make it a better game returning returning players like returning players have to be good for for returning players to matter and like (laughs) it's a fake measurement like it's like oh they're returning their entire offensive line but like that offensive line ranked in like what like the 40th best unit like that's what I don't like about about these preseason stuff and we've had enough games to see who's good and who's not at this point, yeah. like in some and like, capacity, like, like you know who you know who returned good starters, Utah, Minnesota, like those teams ret- returned yeah. good players. You, NC State really didn't. Yep. All right, I think that's gonna it's gonna wrap it up for now. Um, to like solid recap, I think this week we're gonna try to record a uh, a best bets mm-hmm. um, pod maybe on Friday. So stay stay on the lookout for that. We are uh, real, real quick before we wrap this up. Yeah. This time next week, we'll be uh, we'll be talking about a new coach being fired, and that's Brian Harson. So, <laughs> can we make it like an every week occurrence? Dude, I might like edit in like I an can... alarm or something, like a, a coaching alert. Like a... I, pr- I promise you guys that like I can, if I was the commissioner of college football, I can find you a coach to fire every week. Probably, I can find two or three. And week week six, it's gonna be Jimbo Fisher. So. Just stop. They can't even, dude. They're gonna pay him like what thirty million dollars to leave. 
His buyout's incredible. They, they can his buyout can be uh his buyout after week six can be uh one million dollars for every point they lose to Alabama by. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, let's get to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. See y'all next week.